0: This has been a very uh, difficult text for your pastor because um, some would call it rabbit trails. Um, and it's it's difficult at times to thin these out, to say, okay, this is what I need to say, this is what we need to deal with. And then I realize that uh, how many generations removed from the Corinthian church are we in... Um, We have bought into some things that uh, aren't His. (laughs) So let's read the Word of God, and then we'll pray, and we'll see what He says. Now brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given to the churches of Macedonia, that in great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy, And their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation and the support of the saints. And this not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had previously made in the beginning, so that he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. But just as you abound in everything in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and all earnestness and in love, we inspired in you. See that you abound in this gracious work also. I am not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love. Also, Father, help us to have ears to hear. Father, we have uh, we have been deceived, and yet, Father. You continue to be patient with us, each and every one. Help us, Lord. Help us to understand that what wealth we have is a gracious gift from you. The ability to attain that wealth is a gracious gift from you. And that wealth in and of itself is a gracious gift from you. And Father, we are but stewards. Father, may the manifestation of each and every one of us In our giving, be sacrificial and show the true barometer of each and every saint's spiritual character. Help us, Lord, to rest in these assurance to your glory and praise. Amen. I give you seven points here on these first three verses. And uh, I entitled this section... Um, this passage, this part of 1 through 8, a biblical view of giving. Uh, But as I more and more I look at it, I'm wondering if maybe I should have called it, what is our motivation for giving? And what is biblical motivation for giving? And uh, the Apostle Paul gives an illustration here of a group of churches, three that we know of, uh, in Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. And their giving, and as what God was doing in their area, sounded forth through all of Christendom. And part of that sounding forth was their giving. And yet, this was an extraordinarily poor area. Extraordinarily poor. Uh, You and I can't comprehend the depth of their poverty. There was a song, and I shared this in our Sunday school class, uh, I owe my soul to the company store. Okay? And that's what the Macedonians were. They were miners and smelters. Okay? But the tax on what they did and the tax on the smelting offset anything that they would ever gain. The revenues that, Silver and gold were their two major mining prospects. All that went to Rome. They got none of the profits for that, but they were taxed because of the production of it. Okay, so basically, what you had were um, minusculely paid slaves. Okay, and a lot of times um, through the Roman government, what they would end up doing is instead of me giving you money because of your 12 hours of work, I would give you loaves of bread or a block of salt. And that's what would pay you. So for this church to give, um, if they gave anything, it was a sacrifice. And there's a part of me that says, how is it that you get to that mindset? That says, I ain't gotten. How do I get that widow's mindset that says, I've got two half cent coins, and that's all I have, but I'll give it to God? How do you get to that place? Individually, I I don't even talk, I'm talking about you and I individually. How do I say, This is all I have? I will give all I have to God. And I've heard all the cliches. You know, when God gave, He gave His best. And I can go back to the Old Testament and say, Yes, we are to give our first fruits. Does that mean the gross or the net? But you know what? I've been trying to get it across, and I, I don't know whether I've been successful or not that this is a heart issue. This has got nothing to do with whether you have your car insurance paid up, or your car payments, or whether you have your house. It got nothing to do with that. It has to do with the attitude of the heart. The Philippians 4.19 My God will supply all of your needs in Christ Jesus. And we all say, Amen. And you know, I hear it all the time. Well, pastor, it's all God's. Then give it to him. What? You said it was all God's. Give it to him. How do I deal with a group like the Macedonian churches? And they begged Paul to give more. How do you get there? Well, one is, the Macedonian churches understood God's grace. They understood God's grace. We just sang it. Amazing grace. And we all sing it. We know that song. Oh, it's amazing grace. Really? Do you really understand what that is? God's grace. You were completely separated from God. You couldn't find God with a road map and directions. You couldn't even find him with Garmin. Can't do it. And his grace came forward, split the darkness, and saved you. You had nothing to do with it. You were standing there minding your own proverbial narcissistic belly button. And then God says, you're mine. And most of us have been kicking against that goat ever since. I am yours. I'm an American. I am mine. I have my freedom. Do we understand God's grace? Now, brethren, I wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given to the churches of Macedonia. Do we understand that? Salvation reigned forth from heaven. And the Macedonians absor- absorbed it in ways that all of Christendom heard what was going on. Their lives were so radically transformed that everybody was standing in awe of what happened. Now listen, do you understand what that means, right? They didn't all of a sudden get new mansions. They didn't all of a sudden get new Buick. Their temporal surroundings never changed. Their hearts did. And that heart change said that I will give out of my poverty. Second thing you see, it was not based on their circumstances. First part of chapter 2. Great ordeal of affliction, abundance of joy, and their deep poverty overflowed. And they were poor. I'm not sure I have articulated quite Appropriately, the depth of their poverty. I think about the young, the, the, the older woman who gave me a bag of eggs because of a text I taught that she struggled with. And I taught that text and she said, you brought her, God brought an American here. I have nothing to give you. I was teaching in a town, Zimimfka, that has 100% unemployment. Nobody in the town has a job. And the lady says I have nothing to give you and she handed me a bag of eggs. Do you understand how sacrificial that is? But she gave it and I'm sitting there going I don't want the eggs. You know I no. I I've been around the neighborhood No, you must take them. My interpreter looked at me and says, Her feelings will be hurt if you do not receive this gift. And I'm like, What am I gonna do with a bunch of eggs? I don't know I'm gonna do it. What do you I can get these two customs, huh? A little dog in Atlanta (laughs) is gonna run around and go, dude, what you got? Why? The circumstances weren't based on it. They understood the grace of God. What? I, I think there's times that you and I, in our age in this country, are swayed by what we have. And what we have, we say, this is by the grace of God. Um, in some cases, I will agree with that completely. But I look at what we pursue. And say, that doesn't look like the grace of God to me. But it was also with joy. That second part of B there says, they had an abundance of joy. How is it that I can give sacrificially out of the depth of my poverty and be happy about it? I mean, we can fake it. Right? I've seen those. You've seen people who fake You know, being compassionate. They fake, well, I'm just not going to worry about it. Really? It's eating you up. All right? I see them all the time. I'm going to fake my concern. You see it all the time. It's the nature of us. Watch our children. I'm sorry. No, you're not. You know, I'm going to bust your butt if you don't say you're sorry. (laughs) You ain't sorry. You just don't want your butt busted. Okay? When we grow up, what do we do? I'm sorry. You can't hit me. You didn't know me before Christ. (laughs) But you see what I'm trying to get at? It's in our nature. That's what we do. Do I rob from myself... Now get these words that I'm using. Do I rob from myself... To give to God. And do it happily. Do I rob from myself. To give to God. And do it happily. The Macedonians did. That's what Paul is using as an illustration. And second part of it, their giving was not stopped by their poverty. The wealth of their liberality, okay, they were single-minded, they were single-focused, they were only focused on the eternal things, they were not focused on the temporal things. My God will supply all of my needs in Christ Jesus. Do we really believe that? Now we all sit here on Sunday morning and say, Amen, brother. Really? Really. You know, I always thought about that. If you read chapter 5 of the uh, book of Acts, you'll see coming out of chapter 4, or is it 5 to 6? I don't remember. 4 to 5, 5 to 6. You see that Barnabas had some property, and he sold all the property, and he walked it in, and he gave it to the apostles to help with this church that had grown to 20,000 people. With no jobs. So he gave it to it. Then you see Ananias and Sapphira. They walk up. They got some property. They sell theirs. They hold back some money. And they give it. And they say, we give you it all. And Peter looks at Ananias and Sapphira and says, Why would you want to lie to the Holy Spirit? And he fell over dead. His wife comes in. See the men standing here and they're the ones who carried the carcass of your old man out. See ya. And she died. Okay? What do you suppose the next week's offering was? That's always been my question. Whoa! Did you see that? Yeah, I do. Don't be messing with the Spirit. Why? Well, and you know, too, so well, that means you got to give. Well, I'm just telling you, what is your heart condition? What is your heart condition? And their wealth or their poverty was irrelevant to the Macedonians. But their giving was generous. Why? Because they gave because of the single-mindedness. They were going to say, they had this philosophy, this mindset, this heart condition. And here's what it looked like. I will take the temporal and I will invest it earnestly in the eternal. You ever thought about that? I will take the temporal and invest it sacrificially into the eternals. That's awesome. That's awesome. When Zacchaeus came to salvation, what was his offering? Half. Half. And anybody I cheated, I will give you four times back what I've cheated from you. Fascinating. Why? Single-mindedness. Single-mindedness. First part of verse three, I testify, Paul says there, I am a witness to this. Okay? This is actually the word that you and I get martyr from. A testimony, martyr. I have seen it. We think about martyrdom. We think about somebody who died, and I will not compromise my convictions or my beliefs, so kill me, and so we kill him. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here is the same thing. I have seen these people. I know these people. I have watched their heart change. I have heard the testimony of them throughout Macedonia, all of Achaia, the Greek peninsula, and all of Christendom. Their works of God are also known all the way as far as Jerusalem. They were sacrificial. beyond their ability. Beyond their ability. Let me ask you a question. Anybody can say before a holy God, I've given to you beyond my ability. Think about that for a second. And it doesn't mean that I give according to a credit card. (laughs) That's amazing. The Macedonians gave beyond their ability. They didn't even have the ability to give, and they gave still sacrificially. They stole from themselves. Which brings me to the seventh point they gave of their own accord. Their sacrificial giving was voluntary. Their sacrificial giving was of their own will. Now think about that for a minute. They wanted to do this. Um, It was uh, self-motivated. I've shared with some in the church, I shared with it in my Sunday school class this morning, that I would like to see Castle Rock Baptist Church pay for all the kids through all the summer camps next year in Orel. And if anybody is concerned about the use of the money, get your passport. I'll arrange to have you go and work there. Take bug repellent. Okay? I'll just give you a heads up. You, you have been warned. And if you think it ain't worth the bang for its buck, get your passport. I'll make arrangements for you to be there, and you can smile with all the kids. And, you know, everybody says, well, what would that number be? $13,000. Well, that's a lot. so is eternity. I've already put us in. Stephanie's still kind of mad at me. I want to get 100 of Emmanuel's stars. $25 a piece. But you've been warned. So you can start saving your Starbucks and your Kappa Frappos or whatever they are and start getting ready to send a child a Christmas present who does not know Christ. They get a Bible. They get gifts. They'll get produce too because uh, they run out of fresh produce. Uh, their big thing is to get oranges. And we ship in cases of oranges. You can't get it in January in Russia. That all goes. And you get a little card that you keep that you can pray for that child. And they get a little card that says, you know what? There's an American who loves Jesus Christ who is concerned about me. And just as the Macedonians were taking up an offering to send to the Jewish believers in the church in Jerusalem, guess what? They'd never met them. Never seen them, didn't know their names. The Gentiles were reaching out to the Jewish community. It was of their own will, of their own accord. The Greek phrase here means one who chooses his own course of action. They chose to do this. They were not forced. They were not intimidated into it. They were not manipulated into it, and there was no trickery to it. They were doing it because their heart said, "Help the saints." It was out of their hearts. It is possible, and as I kind of run through all of this, it is possible that the Apostle Paul didn't even ask them to give. Okay, now, how do I conclude that? Uh, I thought you'd never asked. Chapter 9, verse 2. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the Macedonians. Namely that Achaia has been prepared since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them. It's fascinating, interesting perspective here. What was the original motivation for the Macedonians? I cannot see the Apostle Paul saying, give sacrificially to the poor saints in Jerusalem when you guys are living in the dirt. It seems to be that the Macedonians wanted to do it because of the zeal of the Corinthians, which had already started taking offerings for Jerusalem for a year. Then they had a little relationship problem with the Apostle Paul. That is the Achaia. That stirred the Macedonians originally. Remember, The writing of 2 Corinthians, a year had passed and since he had first told the Corinthians about giving to the church church in Jerusalem. He had already told the Corinthians. He had expressed it. He says, on the first of the week, what? Give to this and I will come and collect it. First of the week. No, that's not Monday. First of the week is Sunday. A year had passed and they were still collecting. So a year ago, he had told the Corinthians. And they had started to give about a year before. And it seems that their interest in responding to Paul and giving, the Macedonians heard about. Well, it seems like, well, no, not really. Because if you go back... Let me show you. Verse 4. The Macedonians begging us with much urging for the favor of participation and the support of the saints. That fits that verse if I go to chapter 9, verse 2, because the Corinthians were already doing it for a year. The Macedonians found out about it. It says, We want part of this. Let us give. Paul had told the Macedonians about the generosity of the Corinthians. And it stirred the Macedonians to give. We could say that the Macedonians were following the example of the Corinthians and yet the Corinthians were being spurred because of the sacrifice that the Macedonians were doing. Because the Corinthians had started a year earlier. The Corinthians' generosity moved the Macedonians, and they ran with it. And the Macedonian says, "Watch this. We don't have nothing. Achaia, the lower part of the Greek Peninsula, you would have had Athens, and you would have had um, Corinth, would have been two prominent cities, and they were extraordinarily wealthy, and perhaps." Paul never even asked the Macedonians to give, but they had heard that there was an offering being taken by the church in Achaia, the Corinthians, and during hearing that, they said and begged Paul, let us be a part of that. Paul may not have asked because he had seen their poverty. Why can I, How can I ask you? They volunteered it. Based on what Corinth, the church, knowing that even the saints in Jerusalem were part of them, they wanted to be a part of it. Like I said, it fits verse 4. Begging us with much urging for the favor to support the saints. It may show that Paul was reluctant to ask for the assistance. Why? I look at the church, it's a very poor church. They had so little. But they were begging to be able to help And they voluntarily did it without... And and I see people do it today. Churches today, ministries today. They're begging. They are trying to manipulate. Hey, look at this poor starving child. And they'll send you these desperate pictures. I don't like that. Because now we're so far into it, every time I see a desperate picture, I could care less. Am I cold hearted? No. I'm tired of people trying to tell me, look at these poor, starving kids. It drives me crazy. We don't need that anymore. Move your heart. What has God said? They were begging. They were volunteering to help. It was right out of their hearts. It was a heart attitude. They were freely, voluntarily, willing to give sacrificially from their hearts. If you look at that, verse 3, it was of their own accord. It was sacrificial. Okay, do you understand what sacrificial is, right? You got a 53 Volkswagen? 2013 450 SL Mercedes. Which one is a sacrifice to give away? I know. I don't like German. <laughs> I'll give them both away. <laughs> All right. Which one's a sacrifice? A sacrifice is going to make you uncomfortable. Whatever it is, it will make you uncomfortable. It's an important issue. It... It brings us to this point that helps us to understand that this giving is voluntary. Why? Because of the grace of God, it will never be based on our circumstances. It will always be done with abundance of joy. It will not be stopped by our poverty, our economic situation. It will always be abundantly generous. And it will always be abundantly sacrificial. Why? Because it's voluntary. Voluntary. It's voluntary. Which I want to kind of lay a foundation at the conclusion of this so I can step back into it next week. But I want you to think about something for a second. Whenever you talk about giving in a Christian setting, what is it that everybody says is our setting as Christians. If you're giving in an obedient manner in the Christian church today, how much are you supposed to give? 10%. That's what everybody says. 10%. Why? Well, that's what they've already done. It's 10%. Tradition says 10%. Dukate, a tenth part. We Christians, because everybody knows God is not changing. So we give a tenth. Everybody knows, you do not have to be a theologian, that the Jews gave a tenth. Abraham gave a tenth. Jacob! Gave a tenth. What are we supposed to do? Give a tenth. Everybody knows without... That's God's standard. Well, that's really great, except for one small problem. Chapter 8 and 9 of Second Corinthians. I don't see tenth in here. I've read it a few times. I don't see 10% in regard to the Macedonians. The Macedonians gave sacrificially beyond what they could give, they gave sacrificially what they could. Their own desire was voluntary. He didn't send them little flyers with starving Jewish children in Jerusalem. I'm not even sure he ever mentioned it to them. It leaked out that the Corinthians were taking up an offering every Sunday for the church in Jerusalem. And they begged to help. They gave out of their poverty. I cannot find anywhere in chapters 8 and 9 a percentile. So, my question is, and I've wrestled with this a little bit, because I've had people. I've had some powerful pastors that I have been exposed to, theologians. And they said, if you do not give 10%, you are stealing from God. And I was like, you know, he's got a pretty good security system. (laughs) You know, those who are stealing from God. Okay, and the the men that I'm, I I would tell you their names, but it doesn't matter. But I remember multiple pastors, godly men, powerful preachers used awesomely for the things of God that said that anything less than 10% is stealing from God. why do christians today think that why do we think that we need to give 10% and where does that come from i mean it says they didn't pull it out of their hat Okay, somewhere we came up with that. And I believe that for the most part, it is a misunderstanding of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. And over the rest of this message, and next week, I will set that right. And you can walk away and say, you don't believe me, and that's fine too. In the Law of Moses, okay, the Decalogue, Leviticus, go through it. In the Law of Moses, the Jews were supposed to give... Don't be afraid. You all know it. 10%. 10%. Okay, so we know where that came from. The law says give 10%. So that's what we are supposed to do, right? Well, that's a great theory to ju- If you just stop right there, it, it kind of works out really good. But if you're really honest with the book, Can you tell me in the New Testament where it tells me how much I'm supposed to give? Anywhere in the New Testament does it say I'm supposed to give a tenth. But it did in the Old Testament, Terry. So we know that that is, God's not changing. So... We know that that works. Also, you've got to understand, even before the law, Abraham gave to Melchizedek. What? 10%. Jacob gave, remember? That's before the law, Terry. He gave what? 10%. So even before the law of Moses is given, we give 10%. See, that's the pattern. It just carries over, so it's in the new covenant. So, if it existed before the Mosaic Law, then it existed in the Mosaic Law, it carries it to the New Covenant, right? That must be the standard. That is the reasoning that is behind why Christians are told you have to give 10%. But you guys know how I am. That has problems. Okay? Okay? If you say whatever existed before the law must exist after the law, you are running into a whole world of problems. Okay? One. What do you do with the observance of the Sabbath? That was before the law. On the seventh day... What? Rest. Glorify God. Came in the law. Worship on the Sabbath. So we should be observing the Sabbath. Well, that works really good unless you read Colossians 2. Because Colossians 2 says, don't let anyone hold you to the Sabbath. Oops. Romans 14. One regards the Sabbath as holy. One does not. It doesn't matter. It's not an issue. We... Christians have already entered into the rest. So the Sabbath is definitely not universal. Why? He is the Kyrios of the Sabbath. Kyrios is the word we get Lord from. You know what that means? Ruler. Who rules rest? Jesus Christ. Oh, did I tell you? New Covenant. When do I set aside to the things of the Lord? Eight days a week, I think was the song. Why? He is always the Lord of rest. You want to be in rest? Be in Christ. What day is that? Well, for some of you it's Sunday. For some of you it's Thursday. Some of you it's Saturday afternoon. It should be... Seven days a week. So, who rules your rest? So, the Sabbath was started in the book of Genesis and was carried through in the writings of Moses. Also, another problem you're going to run into is the Mosaic law speaks of the sacrificial system. The killing of animals for the atonement of sins or actions of sins and things like that. But I can go before that and show you the sacrificial system. What was Abel doing? I mean, we're talking first steps out of Eden. (laughs) And what's he doing? All right, so I'm going to ask you, what are you sacrificing this afternoon? Well, it depends on whether I got grass for my grill. (laughs) Animals into the New Testament? It existed pre law. Existed during the law. How about now? So what do we have with tithing? Abraham tithed, Jacob tithed, that's before the law. The Mosaic Law says the Jews are to tithe. Listen. Giving is proportionate to what you have. It is sacrificial, but it is also voluntary. Remember, you've all read it before. The Lord loves a cheerful, sacrificial, weeping giver. <laughs> I reached into my pocket. It was I had $110. I had a $100 bill and a $10 bill. And so I'm going to give him the 10 and I put it in there and I put my hand back in my pocket and I sat there for a minute and giving is done and I'm all happy about it and I look down I'm going to go buy lunch and I've got a $10 bill in my pocket wow sacrificial but I'm not feeling the joy I was going to go to the Chinese restaurant I guess I'm going to Mickey D's hit the dollar menu listen In the New Testament, there is no system of ten. There is no system of percentages. Okay? I'm going to close with these two thoughts. Okay? I will... I heard this word this week, and I I think it fits here. It's really a cool word. I will elucidate next week. Does that fit there? Does it? No? Well, if it doesn't, that means you're dumber than me. But anyway... (laughs) Oh, that's a cool word. I heard that. I need to elucidate this. And you're like, is it going to (laughs) hurt? Anyway. There's two kinds of giving in God's economy. Okay? Two kinds of giving. One is required giving. This is what God commands. And the other one is voluntary, free will giving. When the disaster arises... Okay, I've been trying to get this across to you guys over the last few months, is that you need to position yourself that you're always ready when the disaster arrives to give sacrificially. Okay? That's difficult. I I understand. I understand. There's that that is commanded, and that is above it. The Macedonians gave voluntarily. I will deal with this more. I will elucidate next week on what those two are and how do they look. Because I shared with you a few weeks ago, Jesus Christ used money and the handling and management of money to be the best spiritual barometer on the planet Earth. It shows you. Okay? And, And you can go back online and hear all of it, all right, but I won't get into it, two kinds of giving, Macedonians voluntarily gave, sacrificially, above and beyond what they normally did, the Macedonians were giving above and beyond what they normally did, we in the church of Christ today should be giving and then sacrificially above and beyond because there are needs out there brothers and sisters, There are needs out there. So let's pray. Father, to your glory and praise, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word, the moving of your spirit. Father, may we never take any of that for granted. And Father, may we understand that we are but stewards of a precious treasure that you've given each and every one of us. In that is some wealth. Father, let us seek your face so that we may know exactly what you're doing And with an abundance of joy, give to assist that. We love you and we thank you. In Christ's name, amen.